0: Hello, and welcome to the NPM Interconnections podcast. I'm Andrew Burns, your host for this week's episode, and I am truly honored to be joined today by Louisiana Public Service Commission Commissioner, Devonte Lewis. Mr. Lewis, thank you for joining us on the podcast today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to talking with you.
0: Well, it's an honor to have you, and and I know that NPM readers may uh, recall a, a written story I put together based off of a previous interview uh, we we had together, and it was so much fun talking to him that we wanted to bring him in for uh, the podcast for round two. Uh, so, for background, Mister Lewis uh, is uh, the, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mister Lewis, but the most recently elected commissioner on the the state PSC is that right? That is right. I am. Uh, I like to say I may be the freshman member,
1: but I'm not a rookie.
0: <laughs> All right, beautiful. And yeah, he won his seat uh, representing District 3 in the 2022 election. So he's been in the commissioner's seat for coming up on just one year now. So uh I think to start, it might be kind of interesting, Mr. Lewis, if you just sort of uh, told us a little bit about the work you've done over the last year and maybe how being an actual PSC commissioner has stacked up to your expectations prior to winning the seat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the beauty of the commission uh, has been the. Uh, intuitive nature that we can take, um, right? I mean, there's so many moving parts right now. I think the industry um, is at an evolution of changing. Uh, and so there's a lot of questions uh, that are arising. There's a lot of ways to rethink this 100-year-old industry and how we regulate it and what does regulating look like in the future to meet uh, the goals. I would say that I, I have taken a, a, a very staunch approach uh, at reviewing and saying the things we've done for the last 100 years may not make sense for the next 100 years, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm very curious if whether the regulatory compact as it exists today is the compact that should exist for tomorrow. Um, And should we be looking at a different way of this regulatory compact and how uh, we look at rates and affordability, how we look at resiliency and sustainability? What does that mean for... Uh, the increasing opportunity for people to also produce their own energy, not just consume uh, Mm -hmm. energy. And all of these questions, uh, ironically, are bubbling up the moment I get to the commission. Uh, So it's been a very fascinating uh, year for me from looking at um, at advanced uh, renewable PPAs. Uh, We have a resiliency docket and resiliency rulemaking and investments that are happening. You're starting to see uh, the utility companies really invest in renewable generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're also talking about the changes of our system from electrification and the rise of EVs uh, to demand response and uh, and DERs. Uh, so right. uh, I've been really kind of uh, immersed in my first year to have so many of these high top questions that will be presented at my doorstep. But uh really looking forward to kind of helping Louisiana be a leader in all of these
0: yeah it sounds like a very exciting time to be a commissioner in Louisiana especially a new commissioner in Louisiana and uh, you know for for me it's also been just an interesting year just covering the the state because we have seen as you mentioned here just a lot of uh, pretty exciting and, and quickly moving, uh, things going on in, in the state. And I want to touch on, on some of them with you here today. Um, one of the, one of them, I guess, just, just in general to start with here, obviously is just the, the indeed that the rise of renewable energy in the state and the, the interest level from utilities has, uh, just really spiked up, uh, compared to even just a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, obviously we, we know that this is happening, but you want to talk a little bit about why, why you think this is happening, kind of what the factors on the ground are that it's sort of leading to this groundswell of, uh, of renewable energy in the state,
1: absolutely. I mean, I think when we first think about renewable generation and energy in the state of Louisiana, only about three percent of our uh, generation portfolio is from renewable sources. Yeah. Um, so Louisiana has been significantly behind the the eight ball. We are one of the few uh, states left that has never adopted a renewable portfolio standard, um, and and we're starting to see the ramifications of that. But I think where the question of why you're starting to see significant engagement um in this is really because of the industrial users so my district the district i represent has what is known as the industrial corridor of louisiana that 45 mile stretch between baton rouge um, and new orleans where where it's very heavily industry based um i tell people just to, to to make to kind of give context of how industry based my district is uh shell um, has four petrochemical refinery plants in the United States, and three of them are within my district. Yeah, um, and when we talk about industrial users, when you talk about the consumption of energy in the state of Louisiana, nearly 60 percent of all energy consumed comes from an industrial user. Uh, so they are the majority of what our c- consumption is. Um, and we've seen a rise in shareholders and from ESG sustainability goals that these industrial users and their boards and their financing boards want to see them uh, decarbonize and clean up the environment uh, and want renewable generation mm-hmm. and so this push uh, from the in industry users i think is what you're starting to see because we are uh, currently pending a debate right now in-, in-, in an open proceeding about whether or not we allow industry users and industrial users to buy uh, and build renewable generation at their own risk and their own cost and then sell the access energy back uh, to the company, which would then uh, potentially uh, limit the uh, the agreements with our utility companies. And so I right. think just that debate plus the, the rallying cry industry is saying about renewable generation is why you're starting to see a significant move. I'm in Louisiana that looks to be going very differently uh, than, than what it has been just about maybe two years ago in this state.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to talk a little bit about that, that move that you're and that kind of the debate that you're talking about there, um, because as you mentioned, there's no, no RPS in, in Louisiana. Um, I, I understand that the the governor has, has created, has, has instituted like some goals, I think. Right. But like, there's nothing, there's nothing really compelling these utilities to, to ramp up renewable energy in terms of policy. Right. Except for they're just, they just happen to be doing it because this is now kind of where the demand is coming from. It kind of sounds like that's what you're saying.
1: Right. Yeah. So the governor yeah. has his uh, climate action plan that he uh, produced that would get Louisiana uh, to to net zero by the year twenty fifty. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, he is out of the door in the next uh, uh, <laughs> uh, thirty nine days. Right.
0: Uh, Who's counting? <laughs> and,
1: and 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 we'll have a governor who who has said he doesn't believe in carbon neutrality. Sure. Um, so I'm not sure you're going to see that type of aggressive push uh from the administration. Uh, but because of uh industrial users and the commission uh, has and I've been vocal about this and some of my colleagues have been, but the commission has the as the stance in times of filing an order or anything of that nature hasn't um taken a position on on, on increasing renewable generation. Um I think it's the external pressure um, uh, industry users and the, de- and the age old debate. And I think that we were kind of alluding to about, can industry users be, uh, prosumers, consumers, and producers, um, or do we keep the kind of old model where only, um, the traditional virtually integrated utility is the producer. I right. mean, um, I think that's the, that's the drive in Louisiana, because if, if, if our utilities can prove that like, Hey, I'm building enough for, uh, renewable generation for you and 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 we have the capacity to do so. Why do you need to let the industry user go out and build their own
0: very um, and
1: so I think that's that's why you're starting to see um some giant proposals really, yeah uh, from some of our utilities that you wouldn't have seen just
0: a year ago right yeah, yeah that's that's definitely it's really interesting to get your perspective on that because um, it's very easy for us to track on the outside, you know, people who, who don't live in the state, people who are just kind of covering the, what's going on there. It's very easy for us to say, oh, wow, look at this. These utilities are really going big on renewable energy all of a sudden. And it really did feel like it was it was you know a very sudden move. But, you know, it's, it's harder for us to track things like what you're talking about, where it's like, well, you know, there's movement on the ground now to potentially, you know, strip away the uh, monopoly, essentially, that the utilities have on, on being able to control these contracts. So, I want to talk to you a little bit about that and that and that that docket. Um, so, uh, you know, to, to sort of illustrate here for for listeners, uh, basically, the idea, on um, my understanding, is to kind of open up the, the energy markets to allow, as you said, industrial users to build renewable energy facilities at cost. Uh, outside of the purview of utilities, and then you'd be they'd be able to provide excess energy back to the grid. Um, so that would obviously be a major policy change uh, for the state's energy market. Do You want to talk about kind of the origination of this concept and obviously the challenges that it would take to get such a, a radical policy change implemented?
1: Absolutely. So uh, a little bit before my tenure, uh, maybe about a year or two before I got to the commission, uh, my colleague, Commissioner Green, um, open the docket that we are called that's called CCO, uh, customer centric options, okay. uh, and and it basically asked a question: where uh, uh, where are we at and where are we going? Um, and so this docket includes significant amount of things that may be ca- con- counted as a, a as a customer centric option more than a utility centric option. So we are in this docket looking at our EV uh, ch- charging rates. We are looking at um, some type of modernization around filings. Uh, we have our green tariff uh, uh, proposals in there. Uh, we have this, the the uh, industrial uh, option. Um, but we're also in this docket going to look at retail choice um, yeah. as a potential option for Louisiana. And so this really sprung about after Hurricane Ida um, and just kind of the frustrations that Louisianians had with uh, most of our uh, utilities, since all of them are pretty much vertically integrated utility systems. Uh, and was like to say, how do we put customers first? And so uh, this is a proposal that's, that we, we're we evaluating, that we're looking on. Um, and I think you can see that because it is a conversation, it has changed some of the dynamics on the ground with, with people being more aggressive around, uh, uh, around renewable generation. But I mean, there's also brought some questions. I mean, we had a very hotly debate um, uh, with one of our IOUs because we felt they didn't do uh, the best job. They didn't go out for a PPA, for example. And, mm-hmm. and and so we're just saying, hey, we're you just can't come before the commission and say, uh, give me, let me do renewable generation, especially if it's not the cheapest way to produce uh, solar or battery storage. Or, or whatever type of renewable generation it may be. So we, so we are doing a little bit more of our homework. So it's not going to just be as easy to say, I want to, everyone's asking for a renewable generation, let me do it. It's going to be, are you doing it at the most cost effective way uh, that really centers the customer uh, and not just uh, putting everything back into rate base?
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And, and I actually wanted to bring that up. I don't know if, if the, the case that you're talking about there is the case that that I noticed, but um, I saw it a... a- uh, or I covered basically one of the things that that we do here at NPM is uh, each one of the reporters uh, each week will go into the dockets of, of various states, you know, depending on on our coverage area. And uh, we'll look at kind of what's been going on that week as best we can. Obviously, it's a lot to keep up with, uh, with uh, across a bunch of different states. But one thing that, that I noticed was a was a, a case in Louisiana earlier this month where, uh, it was a a, a co op, I think, uh, that was seeking approval for a um a, a contract that that solar contract that um basically seemed like it had some some questionable price stuff in, written in there. It sounded like it had like that uh, would have allowed for automatic price increases without commission approval, um, and it also didn't seem to have like uh, anything in there related to the IRA, which obviously is is uh, you know we want want them to use to sort of bring down the cost. So uh, the PSE ultimately rejected that application though, you know, you kind of left the door open for, for refiling. That would include the quantification of those price increases. And then of course, uh, you know, an, 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 assessment of, of the IRA. So I just, I bring all this up just because I want to talk about or, and ask you about like why can you talk about why maintaining a focus on, on affordability is still important um, even though you're, you're obviously pushing the state toward the higher adoption of renewables. And, you know, you're trying to get, trying to, open doors for developers to to be able to come into the state and, and make their projects?
1: Absolutely. I mean, for me, and I speak for myself on the commission, I, I, I represent uh, one of the most disadvantaged areas of not only my state, but in the country. Um, so I have what we know as Cancer Alley, the, the, the infamous uh, place in America where if you're black or brown, you're 21 times more likely to be exposed to air pollution, where we have some of the highest cancer rates uh, in the country. But it's also disadvantaged from uh, lack of opportunities um, and economic despair. And so for me, as a very much pro uh, clean energy uh, regulator, Uh, I have to do what I call a just transition. I am just not interested in transitioning uh, from one uh, resource to another resource, but I need to ensure that when I make that transition, it is just, and it is fair, and it does not harm the very same people I'm trying to help. Uh, And so for me, I cannot in good faith, uh, try to tell Cancer Alley that I'm cleaning up their environment uh, and cleaning up their air by not by now using renewable generation, but at the same time making their bills even more unaffordable to them that they are right now. yeah, uh, and so we it's a it's a it's a dual purpose in my eyes that we have to have this balance, right? That's the same thing with electrification. Uh, I, the If I try to force everything to electrify so fast, the people who reap the benefits of electrification are the very people who could already afford. Um, the current system, but the people who suffer uh, from some of these policies that are are noble, uh, uh, like net metering, are um, or, or some type of uh, time of usage, mm-hmm. uh, Is are those who simply uh, may not be able to afford to do all of it. Uh, okay. And so that is why I take this double pronged approach. It's not just simply is this new and better is it new better and right now affordable uh for the constituents and so uh for this case you just met with the co-op they are refiling i believe they've already refiled yeah um and i think we will uh at the commission uh review that and 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 it should come back together but but we 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 were strong on that i mean yep. we uh put some some serious conditions on one of the IOUs i was talking about the SWEPCO A- uh, Swepco aeps affiliate in here in louisiana's um application when they were building some renewable generation and they uh hadn't really gone out for any ppas and right. and and didn't do any price comparisons and for me it's like no you can't just tell me hey i want to build uh renewable generation and, and and i'm not sold or sure that you're building it at the most uh, uh, efficient cost provision yeah um and so these are these are these are where like i think you get a little bit more nuanced and i think sometimes the debate um, especially from those on the outside who are not looking at the commissions and the commissioners who aren't talking looks like either a, we're just anti-renewable or, are pro-renewable. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, uh, I'm very much pro-renewable, but if you see me voting, no, it may be because right now it's not, it's not sustainable.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting, you know, to, to watch that kind of balancing act because, you know, I also obviously cover many other States and particularly in, in the MISO region. And, um, I don't see necessarily the same level of thoughtfulness, I think, with some of these other commissions, like uh, at least just from, from from, you know, obviously from the outside looking in. But there'll be I'll see cases where there will be, um, you know, like a lot of complaints uh, direct from the staff or, or you know, kind of risen throughout the the proceeding um, from interveners or what have you. and then like it it just seems like toward the at the end you you typically still get the the stamp of approval. And so seeing like these these specific cases where, you're like, well, hang on. You know, you're actually sending it back and saying, like, let's take a look at this again and, and you know make it make it more affordable or or you know actually go out and, and do that RFP, you know or you right. know get get some contracts. Like that that is uh, it's really interesting to to see you that see you guys kind of grapple with that and uh you know it's uh, especially given Louisiana's position as you mentioned you are uh you know a little bit behind the curve in terms of overall adoption of renewables, but you're trying to make sure that you know, you bring those renewables on in a, you know, a, a, a good way. I mean, I think this is the beauty of the curse of being elected commissioners.
1: Um, the, 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 the beauty that I always find is that means uh, we are deeply connected with the consumers and the ratepayers. Um, as I remind some of my colleagues across the country, like my job as a regulator is not just in Louisiana to review a filing, but I got to go to a, a high school football game on Friday night, Uh, I have to go to a a Sunday church service. Otherwise, uh, I am not a commissioner. Um, But then sometimes the curse of that is also, that means we are not detail-oriented. It means we may also, um, because we are not taking this job as a job seriously, maybe behind the curveball and and really digging into what renewable generation means outside of the uh, political talking points about, Uh, solar or or natural gas uh, debates, And so um, I think the nuances is created based off of how our commission is set up, but it also has to be important because I think oftentimes one of the conversations that you do not talk enough about in utility regulation is the consumer. The consumer is always the afterthought. Okay, what happens now? And I'm very focused on how do we make the consumer part of the conversation as the application is filed? not when we get to a final order or a draft order or an ALJ recommendation. And now we're trying to say like, okay, does this work for the people?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting stuff. Um, I I do want to get into uh, a little bit of specifics on, on some of the the different technologies that are being uh, floated in in Louisiana and things that you guys are are starting to see prop up. But before we do that, there was one last question on this, uh, this docket that we mentioned about kind of opening up the energy markets to uh, industrial users. Um, Is that, I know it's it's still kind of early it sounds like it's still kind of early stages on this um but uh, a couple of quick follow-ups do you, is do you have is this something that you think could kind of formalize itself into a an actual proposal um as we go into the next year and is are you able to track kind of the um the interest on the ground from that like is 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 this something that like I don't know if you have like polling or something on this or, or do you do you do you have like a sense of the of whether this is something that you know, the, the people who are in it are, are excited about, or is it still kind of in the early stages where it's hard to kind of gauge that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, our procedural schedule has us addressing um, the industrial user green option um, at uh, in April of the new year. Okay. So that is, that, that is, that is where we believe we should answer this question um, as far as retail choice. Um, we have that as a as a as a summer of twenty five okay. um, option. Uh, but there have been significant conversations around it. I mean, i I know someone was polling. um I mean, I think that's the the wild part about being in the elected commission state is everyone gets a poll and everyone tries to figure out who was doing it, <laughs> uh, um, whether it's one of us, commissioners, whether it's an outside group. Uh, so yeah. there's been but there's been significant interest. I mean, I think the question is time is of the essence. Yeah. Um. And one of the challenges I think the commission has found itself is I've talked independently with some of the industrial users who want to have the industrial renewable option, ah. Uh, but they say, hey, look, I'm gonna, my, my shareholders, my, 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 corporate really wants us to be showcasing sustainability in our ESG goals, which means they may inadvertently, uh, out of necessity, support, um, a utility filing. On renewable generation, not because they don't want to do it, but because that may be the only way they can start to prove that they're hitting their ESG goals. And so I think the commission w- we're hearing that uh, and assessing how we manage it because on one end, I don't want to rush a rulemaking. but on the other end, I don't want to box in uh, the innovation simply because of how long it takes us to determine a rule uh, that they're now that now we have inadvertently given. Um, the utility, the upper hand, because there's a there's an easier track uh, for a U docket than there is an R docket.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a good point. That, that's uh, and I understand that that perspective. So that'll definitely be something that'll be interesting to sort of circle back on as as you know April approaches and you start actually uh, getting deep into those into that proposal. Um, as far as uh, specific technologies that we're seeing uh, pop up in in Louisiana, I mean, um, we. Uh, we, we know we're on the cusp of, well, you know, at least there's a lot of interest in offshore wind coming to the shores of Louisiana. We talked a little bit about this before in our previous interview. Um, and it's not just in federal waters as it usually is for you know, pretty much every other state, right? There's a lot of discussion about having projects in state waters as well. And I did my my last podcast was was on that. And I had a a conversation with a couple of uh, people that were working on that on the ground, uh, you know, in terms of the policies there. So uh, you've talked a little bit about your concerns regarding uh, price and feasibility of offshore wind. Do you want to kind of walk us through uh, what your concerns are and what you'd like to see as developers are starting to explore offshore wind development at the Louisiana coast?
1: Yeah, I mean I think for us offshore wind is a is a is a is a interesting, fascinating option uh, that can happen here in Louisiana. But uh I, I believe it's still a little bit of a ways out and we have to do it in a very smart way. I mean, some of the first major concerns that a lot of us have um is about uh hurricanes. Our our right. offshore waters is not uh stable, right? This is this is we're not we're not talking about a, a long uh, uh, along Jer- New Jersey and 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 Rhode Island, where the, yeah. the waters are calmer. I mean, we're talking. We're in a place where it it is luck that yeah. we had no hurricane enter the Gulf. Not that it is an anomaly that a hurricane entered the Gulf. Right. Um, and so that is that that one is a a deep concern that I think we have to truly answer. But some of the other concerns are about interconnection, um, right and transmission. That's going to be a big issue here, uh, in Louisiana. There's there's not. Uh, many places, which is means we're going to have to talk about some serious uh, transmission buildup. Yeah. Who bears that cost um, and will that be costly, right? I mean, I think that's the challenge with some of these new technologies. Not to completely go off topic on an offshore wind, but it's, it, it's kind of the same question with hydrogen. Like yeah. Blending hydrogen sounds amazing right now, but it also doubles the cost by almost 50%. And so it is hard for regulators who are thinking about a of, of consumers to say yes, this technology is there, um, and it is. And so, I, I have some serious concerns about what it's going to cost. What is that? What will that ultimate cost be that is of, of the production with transmission that will then be passed on to a consumer? And whether that makes sense to invest in this moment right now? Not that it doesn't make sense to invest at all. Yeah. But I, I think those are some of the serious questions. Um, that I have one from the sustainability of the of the mill itself, um, in terms of the climate conditions here in Louisiana. But secondly, the cost of production and transmission, um, which I think are the two uh, big issues that's going to face Louisiana, and which is why um, I think we are having serious conversations about this. Um, and and also, I mean, I, I'm concerned. I mean, you're seeing some of the development pause. I mean, I, I, we can look what happened in New Jersey, yeah. Um, recently, um, and so that gives me some pause. That I I find them to be in a better situation than Louisiana, and if they are not being able to do it uh, in the in the north, in the Northeast, it gives me it gives me some pause about what we can do here in the South.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I think even, really even since the last time that we we spoke a couple of months ago, they, some of those projects up, up north have kind of taken a, a turn for the worse, it sounds like. Uh, so um, it is going to be something that obviously we're going to be keeping our eyes on as I'm sure you will as, uh, you know, some, if we get kind of some more concrete proposals in, in Louisiana. Um, you've also been uh, kind of out, outspoken, not just with me, but also in, in, in other uh, stories kind of regarding uh, there's a lot of interest from these industrial users, particularly that are in Louisiana, oil and gas companies investing in carbon capture. Um, I think you might have some similar concerns about costs there. But tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, sort of what you, how you're viewing this technology and kind of what your your concerns are as as uh, these these companies are really interested in throwing some money behind this uh, this new technology.
1: Absolutely, I mean, I think this
0: is this is the the beauty and the curse of an
1: influx of federal investment. Yeah. Um, into energy. Into, uh, new. It, it, the Biden administration um, in the IRA uh, made it very clear uh, that production uh, was a priority and they significantly uh, made carbon capture the option. Um, I am not poised to say that I think carbon capture cannot be part of the solution to decarbonization but my fear has become that it has become the only Solution and that everyone is using it because it's the fastest in 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 their view to hit arbitrary goals that we have mm-hmm. set, which are noble goals of when we should be uh, carbon, re- when we should reduce carbon, or when we should be carbon neutral, or, or when we should have net zero. Um, and we are letting that day dictate the technology instead of the technology dictating that day, uh, yeah. and so that scares me uh because I am not. Tr- I'm not sure we should just throw all our investments and say, "Okay, great, we've done it." Uh, part of the other thing that I have, especially, is about the the capacity needed to run these facilities. Majority of the proposals in Louisiana are new buildups, mm-hmm. um, and so for me, it's it's really hard for for me to hear someone say, "Okay, hey, uh, I'm building a facility in Louisiana uh, to to reduce see it to admissions." But to do that, I'm going to need to increase uh,
0: generation
1: capacity buildup to run the facility, and because it's cheap, I'm going to use the same type of product, natural gas, to do so. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that that's the, that's like trying to cool your house with your refrigerator door open. Uh, how can you? It's like you're going to have to admit more to reduce the emissions. Yeah, and and so that's why I'm I'm I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical that it, it, it hasn't. I'm skeptical about where those costs lie, who takes those costs. Um, we only have one utility company in Louisiana who has proposed um, their own facility. Uh, and, and i'm, I'm and, and I have uh, kept an open mind to it, but 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 I have not been able to justify, for instance, what they wrote in their integrated resource planning um and and if it fails, this is this is that's Directly on the on the ratepayers. And I think it's a it's a it's a risky strategy. And so for me, the debate on carbon capture is not the debate I think we should be having. And 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 the issue is, is everyone now, from industry to the Department of Energy and some state governments have put all of their eggs in that basket of carbon reduction when we know we could still be investing um in virtual power plants, we could be building up uh, resource adequacy around a renewable generation. Uh, we could be talking about reduction of energy use uh, and energy efficiency and weatherization and all of these other things that play a portion in in, in carbon reduction. And then for me, uh, I'm also thinking about like how do we promote this within public transit and, and cars? Because for Louisiana, we have nothing but interstate that runs through our communities, and 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 anyone knows the the emissions from from vehicles are actually more toxic to those people than the plants, even though the plants have a significant amount. And so for me, it it doesn't even make sense as the ultimate solution when I know there are other things I shouldn't need to be doing uh, to reduce CO2 emissions in my in my district. And so uh, th- that's where I stand on it. I, I keep an open eye and an open mind, uh, but I'm just fearful that everyone has determined that it, it's the end all be all and let's go for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting to kind of hear you walk through that and, and I appreciate you doing that. Um, I guess the last, the last uh, big technology that I'd be interested in kind of getting your thoughts on and kind of, you know, where the, where the state is on this is, is on energy storage. And I know that, you know, it might be a little bit of, might be a little bit early to talk about energy storage in Louisiana, given that, you know, that, you know, why we talked at the top, like renewables make up about 3%. Usually you see um, as, renewable penetration increases, that's when we kind of start seeing the storage penetration increase. Um, but I, I was curious about, you know, whether you're seeing any activity or interest in, in in storage on the ground already, given how fast that, you know, we're kind of moving now toward renewables from these utilities, you know, I would imagine that storage is to follow. So, so tell me a little bit about um, kind of what you're seeing in terms of storage and what you would like to see in terms of storage.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that we are seeing in this, changing conversation is uh, storage. And we saw uh, some of our utilities uh, add storage into their grip applications uh, at DOE and in some of their applications uh, for a, a bunch of other federal funding. Uh, we've had a significant push here at the local level. One of our community-based organizations have been creating resiliency hubs, uh, community lighthouses is what we call them. Um, that is utilizing storage, uh, storage and solar on community buildings, primarily churches, uh, to be resilient hubs in case of an emergency or throughout a natural disaster and storm, which sure. has really elevated the conversation uh, around mm-hmm. battery storage. Um, and so, I think it is a it's a topic that I think you're right; it's still very. Uh, uh, very early in, in the conversations in Louisiana, but it, but our minds are starting to peak. And what, and they're peaking, I think, from the commission standpoint, from the outside investment, right? These community lighthouses are, are kind of these projects that are being funded uh, locally and with, uh, with foundation dollars and then some congressional appropriation, but are bringing the awareness to what battery storage uh, and, and long-duration storage can do. Uh, as a as an option, I think this is going to increase us to have those conversations about what that means. I think we will never have a strong net metering policy and 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 incentivizing residential solar if we do not talk about storage. Yeah, uh, and I think and and so uh, a part of me uh, pleased that now we can have a, a kind of a comprehensive conversation when it comes towards how do we how do we look at residential solar. Um, and now we can have that conversation with residential solar and storage combined, uh, because I think you're, you, I think you are hard pressed to do one or the other right now. I, 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 yeah. I, I find uh, if we don't have the storage component, uh, the savings that a consumer can see from net metering and residential solar uh, doesn't mean as much. But if they if if, if you have behind the meter storage, it, it's very different. Um, sure. So I think I think it's a, it's a conversation that's really starting to take off, and I'm really interested. And me and my staff are really interested in digging into this more.
0: Cool, cool. Well, I, you know, we've kind of talked about some of the the obviously the the big policy discussions that you have going on right now. We've talked about some of the the. Energy, energy technologies that you guys are considering right now so as we kind of wind down here uh mr lewis uh tell me about your wish list for the state and for the, the energy markets and and everything that that we've kind of discussed here as we move into 2024 your second year on on the commission what would you like what What are kind of your goals what would you like to see as uh you know you kind of move forward into into your sophomore year yeah so we're, we've got a big hefty agenda uh, as a sophomore year we're going to come back um, and,
1: and hopefully finish um, our our rulemaking around political spending and what's included in rates. Uh, as of now, we're the only commission uh, who is handling this from a regulatory standpoint. Anybody else who's dealt with uh, political spending and utilities have come from the legislative standpoint, and so I think uh, we will bring that down to the wire. I think we're also uh, really looking, and I'm pushing significantly, Uh, about how we improve our DER aggregators uh, in the state to give that as an option um, uh, for Louisianians and ensuring that we have um, ways to to look at distributed energy sources and resources that that present to us. Affordability is top of my mind, and so we are really looking at alternative rate making and, and being innovative, whether or not we should have uh, rates that are CPI indexed instead of just usage based uh, Whether or not we should put in rate rate making performance initiatives for lowering disconnection, um, and and really kind of challenging the model of what does it mean uh, for cost of services, and it's, should that be the model that we determine rates? I'm not sold on that at this point. Uh, everything I've read, I, I I think cost of services is does it make sense as the as the metric. Uh, are the formula I should say to talk about rate making, and so I think we're going to get into a significant conversations this year around performance rate making uh, and, and incentivizing ways around affordability and rate making. Uh, but I think lastly, where Louisiana uh, and you're going to see us do significant work is on uh, grid maintenance and reliability. Um, we we I, I can't stress enough that I cannot talk about resiliency until I talk about reliability. Uh, and And I know some people make them one and the same. I don't see them as one and the same. Um, your your, gr- your if your grid is resilient, it is in fact more reliable. But just because your grid is reliable doesn't mean it is in fact resilient. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's time for us to really engage what that looks like in this state, um where we know because of climate change, because of the now increasing warmness of the Gulf of Mexico, uh, that we are, we're talking about any storm that's going to hit Louisiana, maybe a category four and above Yeah. from now. Like, will we, unless it comes from a different side of the country, which is hard pressed, uh, or unless it comes kind of over Texas into Louisiana, uh, yeah. we're dealing with some strong storms, which means we need to really look at what does that mean to have a rulemaking making to ensure that, uh, utilities are looking at how resilient their system is. Um, and 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 having a standard for that uh, in their own expenses,
0: right yeah well you're right i mean it's the world we live in and um it's it's gonna be uh you know kind of interesting to to see kind of grapple with that and obviously I, I imagine that's top of mind for for the people of louisiana as it is here in texas um but uh yeah it's it's obviously a lot of things on your plate a lot of uh, exciting things that we discussed today and, I'll, and a lot of things that you know will be primed to discuss probably next year so uh, uh commissioner lewis thanks again for for joining us and uh it's been a great discussion absolutely anytime i'm looking forward to the next year All right, thanks.